0: Hi everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Hi everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air.
1: Freedom. This is what I call freedom. And free, buy what you want to buy Free With free, no one to free, ask you Free Dress the way you want to dress Free Just because you're free Free Walk like the way you ain't no one Free talk the way you want to talk. Free, turn. free shout, shout the way you're gonna shout Free No
2: This is Chicago's finest internet radio show,
0: making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Warner Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, welcome to the George
3: Warner Jr. Show, once again, folks, it's Thursday.
0: <laughs> if you're podcasting this show, show at an earlier date. It's Thursday. It's the last leg of August 2017. Wow. Yeah. Not only has the month gone by so quickly, but the year has uh, flown on, flown by. Yeah, and uh, 2018 will be right here. I mean, we have about what three, four months, or less, five, six. Anyway, whatever. Um, 2017 is going to be history. You know, 2017 is going to be history. 2018, these years are going by, And every every year we're adding a birthday. Some of us are glad to see a birthday. Some of us are not so glad to see a birthday, you know, because it means that you're another year older and you look around and you see that you haven't accomplished nothing. You haven't done anything. New Year's resolutions are just... are just what they are, resolutions that amount to nothing for some of us. And, uh, you know, it's just, life just seems to be just going on, just passing some of us by, you know. And uh, uh, we all, we're born, we live, and we die. We're all going to die. Nobody's going to get out of this thing alive. So I'm going to say to everybody out there, at the sound of my voice, enjoy your life. Whether you're young, old, black, white, green, yellow, enjoy life. Do something with your life that you enjoy. Do something that's going to make you happy, make you feel better, to make you say, I have a wonderful life. Do something create something um create something i don't care you, you know, that's the best part of life when you're creating something you, you're you're inventing something you're an innovator you have a lot of ideas you get, get you have this great talent everybody has talent you just got to find out what is your talent what can you do to impress others what can you do to more so impress yourself uh, and if you're impressing yourself, then that's going to impress other people. I mean, I mean, people. You have to have something that you love doing. If you love doing it, everybody around you is going to love to see you do it. Uh, there's so many people out here who are unhappy, and that's ridiculous. Nobody should be unhappy. Nobody should be depressed. Nobody should feel as if they're worthless because. Uh, someone in their family told them that they were worthless or someone in their family uh, said, we're not going to like you unless you impress us. Someone in their family is saying false things about them that they think (laughs) that they they actually know something. And um, I've had friends like this. I've had friends from Facebook and friends in life, uh, you know, saying that uh, there's other people in their life trying to hold them back from being the best, that they can be. Believe it or not, this happens. People in your own family, your friends, uh, uh, people that you know, uh, if they find out that you are a pretty emotional person and that you care, a lot of people try to use your feelings against you to get what they want. Never let anybody let you feel as if you're worth this. If there's people in your life trying to stop you from getting ahead, Get rid of those folks. Get, get them out of your life. I don't care who they are. If they're stopping you from getting ahead, they're not on your side and they're not in support of you and your talents. Do not let anybody try to tell you that you're not good at this or you're not good at that. Uh, whatever you try to do, they're laughing at you uh, and, and making fun of you because you're trying to get somewhere and they're trying to get nowhere. The only thing they're trying to do is to stop you from being the best that you can do. You never let anybody at any time, anywhere, stop you from being the best person that you can be. Because everybody out here in in this world, young, old, and otherwise, you have the potential to be something great, at least within yourself. And, you know, you, you keep trying at whatever you are trying at, to figure out what you want to do. Some of, you know, when you have talent, you have talent to do more than one thing. You may be a talented at singing. If you can sing, you probably can act. You know, if you can act, you probably can write. So, uh, and if you can act, you probably can, you know, um, uh, engage people. You probably have the knack to engage people and and to uh, bring people uh, around you within your circle, you know, because people, majority of people out here, they want to be around people who are successful, because majority of people out here want to be around people who are successful because they want to be successful. They don't want to be around somebody who's a failure. They don't want to be around somebody who is trying to keep them and hold them back just because they're a relative or they're a close friend. You know, you want to be around people who are successful because successful people want to be around other successful people. You know, nobody wants to be around somebody who isn't successful. Nobody wants to be around someone who isn't trying to be successful. Most people including myself if i see someone who's trying to better themselves and better them lot and, and better their lives better themselves and better their lives i'm gonna reach in and give this guy or girl uh, some help if they ask for it you know because i see that they're trying to lift themselves up on their own they're trying to they really want to break out of the uh uh, dundrum that they're in. They want to be somebody. They want to become somebody. They know they have what it takes to shake the world up. These are the kind of people I'm willing to try to help. I mean, if you have a book out there and you want to get that book out and you know that book is going to help other people, or it, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or whatever it is, and you're passionate about what you've written, hey, wow, this is the show for you. I'm going to help you push your book. But however, that doesn't mean that you have to stop pushing your book. You know, this is just one venue for you to do that. You know, you have to, ha- you, there's, there's, there's have to be several. Oh, my mouth is stuck. There, <laughs> there have to be several uh, uh, things that you're doing to try to push your book instead of just going on someone's show, uh, whether it's a radio show, a podcast show, or a television show, you still have to push your book, you know, because. Trying to sell a book now is hard. Trying to sell a, a, a DVD is tough. A musical DVD, a musical CD. I'm sorry, CD. I get CDs and DVDs mixed up sometimes. But uh, selling music, making music is hard to sell. Writing a book is totally hard to sell. Even if you got agents. And most of the time the agents will tell you to go on Facebook. You know, but we can, uh, you know, I guess if I go back to what I was talking about originally, um, people like to be around people who are successful. People like to be around people who are trying to do something to uplift their lives. That makes others want to come and try to lend a hand, especially if we can see that you are uh, trying to do something about your life. You know, because there's a lot of people out here who are looking for someone to help them, to give them a boost in any way they can with what they're trying to achieve. And there's nothing wrong with it. As long as they're trying to achieve something and it's there and they're dedicated, they have ambition, they have that drive, hey, come on this show, uh, uh, contact me and I will try to help you uh, push your book forward. Even if it's with Justin Uh, A review of your work. Sometimes a review of your work can help uh, people to get to notice your book. But even a review and being on my show or some other show, uh, maybe that's not enough. But that's a start. That will be a start. That would be. That doesn't mean that when you come on this show and you start talking about your book or or whatever service or product you might be trying to push, you know. As an entrepreneur, as a writer, as a business person, or as just an ordinary individual, that you're going to have to do more than just go on the George Wilder Jr. show if you want uh, to sell that book. There's too many people that come on this show, they're thinking that this show is going to really, really, really sell that book. This show is just a start at selling your book. This show is just another leg of you getting your book out there. I think any talk show host or any television host will tell you that. You know, you don't stop at the George Wilder Jr. show. You don't stop at the um, the Ellen show or or some other cable talk show. You don't uh, stop there. You keep you keep on pushing your book, pushing your book, pushing your book. I don't care uh, if it's five, if your book is five or ten years old, you can still push it. You can still sell it. If it's If it's any good so basically people love other people that are successful if you're a writer great if you're an actor singer dancer um social worker teacher janitor do what you feel that's gonna make you happy and if you have to get yourself a hobby or something you know um You know, sometimes hobbies are are, are good. They're great for people. Um, I have one hobby, folks, and that hobby is playing my guitar, collecting guitars. That's the only hobby I have. Um, Writing books is not a hobby. Being a writer and an author is not a hobby because why? You're getting paid for it. Anything that you're getting paid for is not a hobby. It's a business. It may be a failing or a flagging business, but it's a business. And it's a business that could become a booming business. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And George Wilder Jr. is telling you right now, do not be depressed. Do not be lonely. Feel, I mean, because all of this can bring on a lot of worse things in your life. Depression, loneliness, feeling uh, Guilty about something you, you have no right to feel guilty about. other people will try to do that. They'll try to make you feel guilty about something that's totally uh, doesn't belong to you, you. know And but you know some people are so gullible, so nice, so emotionally uh, giving that other people will try to take advantage of your heart, of your kindness and of your uh, understanding and they will try to you know, ruin your life with it. So watch out for those kinds of folks. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Here, Right here it says, Josh Kangley, the seven rules of success will be on the show today, so stay tuned for that, and we'll see what that's about. All right, 347-857-1762, 7, 7, the George Wilder Jr. Show, making the world a better place one show at a time. Um, let's not hate. Let's Oh, what, what does this say? Man, I'm trying to read it. Let not hate rule your heart, for hate is only a means to an end, my friend. And guess who wrote that? I did. Wow. <laughs> okay, be kind to one another out there. Okay, I think I said that too fast. Be kind to one another out there. You know, and I, I think the world needs kindness more than ever. More than ever. And uh, hate has no home here. This is not a place for haters. You know, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. And there are uh, they're out there in, right in front of our eyes. So you you guys be careful out there. So watch out for the people who may not like you. They're out there. Okay, and they are out there to commit harm. So watch out for the folks out there who may be haters and, you know, we want to make sure we want to keep everybody safe because hate has no home here, okay? I'm pretty sure a lot of people probably know that about the George Wilder Jr. show now. Uh, we don't, I don't want that on the show. So if someone who if someone has hate in their heart and somehow they find their way on to this show, I have a great big old off button. I can just click and you're gone, Okay. There was one person called into the show about a few months ago. Or was it a year ago? And I think, I, I think I've told the story before. And he called in, and uh, I, forgot, I forget his name and where he called in from, so it, it really doesn't matter. And he called in and said, George, my, my, uh, my mother likes your show. Uh, she listens to your show all the time. She's crazy about you. And and uh, she she loves your show. And suddenly this guy takes off uh, using all kinds of bad words, fan profanity, (laughs) talking to me, start talking to me as if I if I, you know, if I was some sort of an idiot or he was trying to uh, make it out that I was some sort of idiot. So I, I just cut him off you know people people are like that i used to listen to talk shows on over the air radio and some of the callers would call in and they would do the same thing the same thing to other talk show hosts you know they would call <laughs> they would get their asses cut right off you know a lot of people call in and say nasty rotten and rude things on the air and as if you can't cut them off as if you can't hang up on them when they start to See, one of the things about the George Wilder Jr. show, I have no screener. When you call into this show, you call in. What you say is what we're gonna get. You know, I don't have a screener. I could, I could screen the show myself, but I don't. Sometimes I don't have time. My son could be the screener, could be a screener. I had him screening at one point. He didn't do a good job of it. So a, a lot of times, if you call into the show, there is no screener. You just call. And once I bring you onto the air, that's it. You, you're in a league of your own. You, uh, you can say what you want to say, but if you say the wrong thing, it will get recorded. And I'll just, and also what will be recorded is the click that I click when I click you off. That will also be, the, uh, 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 recorded. So this show has no screener, even though I have, uh, on my screen here, even though I have uh, an apparatus for the show to be screened, uh, the, the callers to be screened before they actually come on to the air, come on the air, I don't, I don't use it. I, I just don't use it. And uh, it, really, folks, uh, doing a radio show on the internet, podcast, or whatever, or over the air, it's a lot of work. And it's a lot of work mainly for me it's a lot of work and i try to cut down on so much uh and that's uh, to try to deal with what is most important yes yeah, screening the show is most important but right now if someone called on the show and started cursing i'd probably keep them on the air because just about every just about every other talk show i mean Somebody's using bad language. Sometimes it's the host that's using bad language. I mean, if you ever listen to Bill Maher, I mean, this guy,
3: uh,
0: <laughs> I, I was shocked as much as this guy uh, used profanity on his show, and his audience just went wild. You know, they were—they loved it. And a lot of the talk shows nowadays, you use profanity, you curse, i, I you curse, you use profanity, you say vulgar things on the air, and, you know, just like, just like an ordinary and normal show. You know, this is 2017. This is, the, this is the time and this is the era that we're in. You know, this is the sign of the times. People using profanity on their talk shows. You know, I, I was shocked at one time, years ago, I was shocked at one time when I was, when we were actually witnessing sex on network television on network television and i'm going cut that stuff off
1: what sex
0: right in your living room your kids watching and (laughs) and it's still and it's still going on so this is the this is a new era uh this is a new day this is a new time in america and the world we're now cursing and and using bad words profanity uh In some stages in the media is uh, welcome. Not always on cable TV. Cable TV and movies, you can just forget about it. You know, I mean, these guys and girls are are crazy with uh, profanity on cable and and in the movies. But to see this stuff on network television cursing and and actual sexual acts on television while your kids are watching you know the first thing you want to do is grab the phone and go call the show call one of the producers and say hey we're not watching your show anymore they don't care (laughs) they they don't care i mean you probably think well george you're you're uh you're out of touch you don't know what's going on in the world the world is changing i mean we're not 20 years ago anymore we're we're not 20 30 years ago it's now it's what's happening now and profanity sex violence all of this stuff is, is out there i remember a few years ago they were they were bitching about see i just curse. i remember a few years ago they were bitching about violence in video games now there's nothing said there's more violence than ever in video games the thing thing about video games in 2017 is that most of it most of those video games are not selling as well as they did you know, maybe five or six seven years ago you know the video uh, uh, gaming industry uh, their stock is down and it's been down for a few years now but still in all video games are more violent than ever i mean they are i mean i i used to play them myself you know And I still do sometimes because, you know, it takes away some, sometimes it takes away the monotony of uh, all the work that I have to do on my own. But um, it's a changing world, folks. It's a changing world. All right. You've been listening to George Wilder Jr. on the George Wilder Jr. Show. My guest is Josh Kangley, and he will be talking about the seven rules of success. Everybody wants to be successful. I want to be successful. <laughs> Some people say, "George, you are successful." Yeah, well, then show me the money. Speaking of money, uh, uh, there was a uh, Powerball winner today. I'm pretty sure it's all over the news. And these people gave an interview. Seven hundred, I think it's seven hundred and fifty million dollars. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, there was a Powerball winner, and uh, we're going to be back with more, um, with more on that. And uh, seven hundred and sixty million, Jesus Christ! All I need is one million, I'm fine. But seven hundred and sixty million, and half of that is going to go to taxes. Isn't that a damn shame? Taxes, the IRS. <laughs> Wow, that is something seven hundred and fifty million dollars, one winner, one person. And she said that she's gonna call in and quit her job you You would think right, you would think so. <laughs> seven hundred and wow, what is it fifty million, forty million, sixty million, whatever the hell it is. It is a lot of money. Ladies and gentlemen, The George Wilder Jr. Show has now arrived.
2: I mean, the guy we are, the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building.
4: That's right. Dr. Umar Johnson.
5: Peace My and brothers. love. Peace How's and love, family. All is well. Glad to, to be back.
4: Now, now, let's get right to it, man. In yes, light sir. of everything that's going on,
5: mm-hmm.
4: what are the solutions? I what think we've f- discussed the problem so much. What are the solutions?
5: All right. Before I state the solution, I would have to challenge you on that. Because although we talk about the problems a lot, a lot of people don't understand how the problem operates.
4: Gotcha. Let me give
5: you an example. Take miseducation. People know the children aren't learning. They know black boys are not graduating. They know special ed is an issue. They know ADHD is a problem. But they don't know how this operates. Mm -hmm. They don't understand how the child goes from the classroom into the special education system. Okay. So they have to be taught how it operates. You follow? So we understand that police uh, genocide is a problem in the black community. We understand that uh, structural inequality, disproportionality, i.e. racism is a problem. But do we understand how racism operates? So I think that once you understand how the problem operates and manifests itself, you're now in a position to solve it. Mm. Someone comes to me for therapy. Before I do any therapy, what I do, a clinical history,
3: Mm.
5: is there depression in your family. Have you been depressed before? Have you ever contemplated suicide? So I have to understand your background and how you've been living your life in order to solve your current everyday problems. So now, coming to the present, what we're seeing going on around the country, let's be honest. Africans were brought to America to serve. To serve. We're no longer necessary for the American economic order to operate. They don't need us to function. That explains the purging. That explains the ethnic cleansing. Even with all these
4: Negroes making money?
5: Well, remember now, when you look at the black folks who are rich, they are a small percentage of the general body politic of the community. You (laughs) understand? Eighty five percent of black folks are struggling. Half of our children grow up in poverty. Most of our single parent black mothers are poor, even with a burgeoning rate of black women earning their college degrees. Mm. So simply put, black America is suffering despite the television projection of success. Yes, we are more educated than ever before. We have the bachelor's. We have the master's. We have the doctorates. But that that education has not taken place alongside an increase in wealth acquisition. We're smarter, but we still don't own anything. Mm.
2: But we we know we're poor. We know some of us are not well-educated. We know some of us have a, a lot of problems due to where we're growing up in, a, in our environment. Yes. But, but besides all of that, mm-hmm. we got a bigger problem with racism, the way that other people look at us. I agree. You know, you know what I mean? Because, but I'm not saying it's right, but the way we look at ourselves is bad, too. Yes. You know what I mean? Because, if I'm walking down the street and I see some brothers with some hoods on, it makes me think twice. Right. So if it makes me think twice, I know it's going to make somebody else think twice. But it doesn't give us the get does doesn't give them the right to put a. But a that's lot based, of based of off your shooters. experiences,
4: though. But like, it is based like you know, myself. yeah, it's, like,
5: it's also based off conditioning. Mm-hmm. The conditioning is critical. Media is critical. Right. To the social agenda of any country, you understand. You take Adolf Hitler before he did what he did mm-hmm. in, in in Germany. He conducted a media campaign that sought to destroy the image, the image of a European Jew in the German mind before the physical Holocaust began. Mm -hmm. Same thing in America. Before you begin taking the black life, you must kill the image of the black life. Mm -hmm. So when you look at gangster rap, which plays a hand in it, Mm -hmm. okay, when you look at Mm -hmm. the way in which we're portrayed in movies, Mm -hmm. when you look at the way in which we're portrayed on the radio, popular media, magazines, uh, it is in a very negative way as if to say these people, the world would be better off without these people. That's why so they, once they you,
4: people criminal records when exactly, they kill them, Exactly, exactly,
5: exactly. In other words, it's not so bad that he died because he went to jail anyway. Mm-hmm. So you have to kill the image before you kill the person. Why? Because people will take up for people who are unjustly treated. But if you can convince the world that we will be better off without these people by killing their image, then when the physical carnage begins, no one will care.
2: How do we change that, though? How, how do we change the way that America looks at African Americans, and how do we change the the fact that these uh, racist individuals, racist police officers, stop pulling out the gun. See, I think it's you have to penalize them.
3: Mm-hmm. Meaning, you
2: know, it's kind of like a kid. You know, your kid does something bad and you say, okay, it's okay, he's going to continue to do it.
3: Mm-hmm. But if you
2: bust his ass, next time he's thinking about doing it, he's going to be like, well, you know what, my pops is going to bust my ass. I feel like the police officers that kill African Americans, just kill people in general, they don't get penalized for it.
5: I agree with it. You're absolutely correct. For example, behavioral psychology, two basic laws is what? All behavior is a function Mm -hmm. of the context in which it takes place. The American racial hierarchy. It's it's a function of the context. And then it's a function of the consequences Mm -hmm, you follow. Mm -hmm. So in other words, behavior never stands still. Whether it's you, whether it's the child, whether it's the country, whether it's the police. Behavior is always getting worse or it's always getting better. So when Zimmerman wasn't punished for Trayvon, that automatically created a context for it to happen again. Do, Do you understand? Walter Scott. Uh, Tamir Rice. It creates a context Michael so the Brown. next police officer yeah. says, well, wait a minute, I can be a little bit more trigger happy because the last five black men and women, Sandra Bland, who were murdered by police were not held accountable. So when you do nothing about misbehavior, mm-hmm. then you're actually supporting its repeating. Now, itself. what do protest do? Because people protest and they
2: say, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I love the unity and I, and I love the unity of African-American people. I, I wish we could be more unified when it's not just a, a brother dying. But I feel like Sometimes the protest, what is it getting accomplished? Okay. You know? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, you protest, you sit down a the highway, there's an ambulance that's trying to get somebody to a hospital, that person dies in the ambulance. You mm-hmm. know, I'm stuck in traffic, I can't pick up my kid at 5 p.m. So what is the protest actually doing? Is, is it going to make the cop look at us any better? Like, what can we do besides, I think, the protest? I don't know if the protest really worked.
6: Right. Well,
5: first of all, we got to keep in mind that, the black person is normally dead before the ambulance shows up to get him in the first place. True. <laughs> true,
3: true.
5: <laughs> so let's be clear on that. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, Envy. Protest is the first stage of any political economic struggle. Right. Protest is your marketing program to let the world know what I stand for, what's happening to mm-hmm. me, and what I want. Protest allows you to control the public narrative about your struggle mm-hmm. without the protest. The world doesn't know why you're doing what you're doing. That's so real? protest is important mm-hmm. because it is your way to put out your message. Gotcha. So you can't do nothing without it. The problem with black people is there's nothing after the protest. Right. Do you understand? The protest becomes the goal instead of the means to the end.
4: That's what I keep asking. What is the solution? What's the next action? Like we saw Well, let, let me tell you what has to, the... to happen now okay.
5: because now we're in a state of crisis for black America. Okay. Three things black America has failed to do which is going to keep this carnage machine in place, this police genocide. Number one, we have failed to publicly criticize and hold accountable the executive branch of the United States government, i.e. President Barack Obama, despite all the killings, despite all the murders, despite an unemployment rate and a dropout rate that is greater under a black president than it was under the two previous Republican presidents, black people have remained silent. Mm -hmm. Obama has ignored black folk. In fact, we are the only so-called minority population in the country for which he has done nothing nor has spoken significantly for our issues. Compare us to LBGT. They got three laws under Obama. Three. That is unprecedented. How many laws did black people get under Obama to protect us from police genocide or even to improve the schools or to reduce incarceration? Zero. Okay, they got a Supreme Court justice. Latinos got a Supreme Court justice. LBGT got a Supreme Court justice. President Obama had the opportunity to appoint the first african-american female supreme court justice and he chose not to act it's not all his fault though we have created a context where the president can ignore black people and get away with it because we told the entire world when he was elected that all he had to do was just be black and we were fine, remember? Yeah, we didn't he doesn't have to do anything but be black. That is the worst thing you can say as a marginalized oppressed group in such a racist country as this, as to tell the world that the president, the executive branch of the United States government, does not have to be accountable for you.
4: That's for any head of state, though. Any head of state yes. we elect, we need to push I and make sure things happen. But
5: Obama is the first president out of 44. The first one from George Washington up that has not had to deal with any sort of public criticism from black people mm-hmm. and if he leaves office without any here's the problem if we if we let Obama leave office without any condemnation from the black community by virtue you cannot hold Hillary or Trump mm-hmm. accountable for what they do not do for black people because you have now created a precedent where a president can come in for eight years ignore you mm-hmm. even with police genocide so and we, not receive well, any why criticism do make
2: excuses? You know, and, and I was always mad. I, I, I was upset about this because I felt like he was our president, you know. And I, I felt like when certain things happen, I felt like he should be on the front lines because he's dealt and seen. And I'm sure he's been pulled over before. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's been racially profiled before. So I, It kind of bothered me when I see a lot of these individuals get shot and killed and you don't really hear much from them. Exactly. Even to the thing with, you know, when he, he flew back to go to the, the, the you know, the funerals and, and yes. to speak to the, the officers in Dallas. I thought that was great,
5: mm-hmm.
3: but then
2: I also thought, well, what about back? Exactly. What about exactly. Minnesota? Exactly. What about Ferguson? He's about not going to do that
5: because mm-hmm. President Obama understands something that most blacks in America do not understand. The first business of America is racism. Let's be clear about something. Most white people in America mm-hmm. okay, are also suffering economically, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm white mm-hmm. in a country based on white privilege. What is my claim to fame if I don't have a decent education, don't have a good job? For many white people in this country, their only claim to fame is the fact that I can say I exercise privilege vis-a-vis black people. Obama understands that. So America is held together by the fact that the poor white man understands that he still exercises a privilege that the rich black man does not. And that's
4: what Donald Trump is reminding them. Donald Trump is reminding all oh, the white Trump people. Oh, Donald Trump changed the game, and let yeah. me tell
5: you why. They, the United States uh, power structure underestimated the impact of an unapologetically honest fool over the American electorate. Do you mm-hmm. understand? Mm-hmm. In other words, Trump is saying to white folks, what white folks feel. Poor white folks too. Yes, poor white folks. So you got a rich, wealthy white man appealing to poor white folks. You've never had that. But it's working because he is unapologetic. He's ignorant. He's a fool. But he's honest. Mm -hmm. And white folk can respect and identify with a white male who's willing to be honest. In other words, Donald Trump intentionally made sure he was the polar opposite of Barack Obama. Look at Obama. You ask Obama a question, you don't get an answer. You never get a straight answer from Obama. It's always what we got to see. Let's see what the Americans think. Now, go back to George Bush. George Bush told you what he, fit, what he felt. He was another idiot, but he was honest. Mm-hmm. Trump is honest. The reason white folks are not rolling behind Hillary the way that the power structure wants them to is because Hillary is the same old thing. She's Clinton all over again. She's Obama all over again. Correct. She's a Bilderberg. Talk She's politically points. correct. Yeah. Her whole message is scripted. Trump's is not. So the issue now is how do we engineer an election where Hillary wins? Because right now, Trump is carrying the momentum. See, remember now, people don't choose the president anyway. Mm -hmm. But you want the people to choose the person you wanted. So the illusion of democracy continues to prevail. America is not a democracy. America is a republic. That's why when people pledge the flag, and I hope there's no black boys pledging the flag, but when people pledge the flag, they pledge the flag to the republic. The word democracy is not in the pledge the word democracy is not in the preamble the word democracy is not in the constitution the word democracy is not in any of the 50 state constitutions so why is america called a democracy when it's really a republic because it is the illusion of inclusion a belief that the people actually control its leaders when it does not so with
4: that said right for, for as much as we know that america has a, a history of racism institutionalized racism, systemic racism, why did Barack Obama become president? Why did Barack, they allow Barack Obama become president? Excellent question.
5: Pre- okay, every president that is elected is given a domestic mandate and an international mandate. There's something they need you to do domestically. There's something they need you to do internationally. Mm-hmm. For President Obama, his international mandate was to reopen Africa's resources to Western exploitation. Right. George Bush destroyed the economic conversation between America and Africa and as you know Africa is the richest continent on the face of the earth no country can survive without it if you have a cell phone laptop television uh, a car airplane it requires a substance a material called Coltan the Congo is the number one producer of Coltan on the globe no Congo no cell phones so America needs Africa Bush destroyed the relationship though with the African Union with Obama's father being Kenyan and his mother being white You understand? Mm -hmm. He was the perfect person to put in the White House to reopen up that relationship with Africa, which he has done, okay? And through AFRICOM, which is African Command, President Obama has successfully recolonized Africa in the name of Western financial interest at a rate we haven't seen since Africa was under colonialism. So he succeeded internationally. Mm -hmm. That was the international mandate. Get... The money back from Africa, the gold, the diamonds, the oil, the coltan, get it back. He got it.
2: Some people will say that Barack Obama... what's uh, the
4: domestic mandate?
5: The domestic mandate. Mm -hmm. The reason President Obama was made president domestically is to brainwash and manipulate black America long enough so the American power structure could take every civil right that our ancestors fought for and give it to every other minority group So by the time Obama leaves office, all of our rights will be have taken from the other minority groups, and we will be back in the 1960s Jim Crow style.
4: So how does that work? Because I keep looking at the Constitution, like did they remix it for black people?
5: It doesn't apply to you anyway. Remember now, when the Fourth, remember 1865, you get the 13th Amendment, you're free. Okay, 1867, you get the 14th Amendment, equal protection under the law. But the 14th, excuse me, 1866. But the 14th Amendment isn't ratified till 1868. Mm. You know why? Because you need two-thirds of the states to ratify an amendment. They said we're not giving black folks equal protection under the law. So what were you between 65, Emancipation, and 68? Ratification of the 14th Amendment. You were simply a resident, not a citizen. Black people in America today are still residents, not citizens. And we confuse the words liberty with freedom. Liberty and freedom are not the same. White people have freedom. Black people have liberty. Freedom is the ability to make decisions without external control. Liberty is the ability to make decisions because an external control gave you the privilege. Do you Mm -hmm. see the difference? Mm -hmm. One of them, you got people doing what they want to do. The other, you can do what you want to do within these constraints because we still own you. That's exactly why Abraham Lincoln emancipated the slaves. Emancipation simply means to let go from bondage. It also means a transference of ownership from the individual to the state. They never eliminated slavery. They just transformed it.
2: Now, now people would say that Barack Obama did Obamacare, which helped a lot of African Americans get health care. They would say that he did that for African Americans. They would also say that he opened up the White House to a young. That's your audience. shirt, by the way, you, My for college tour. It. Thank you, appreciate it. They said that you know that he would that there are stuff that he does for the African American community. They say his. Hands are tied behind his back. Mm-hmm. It, there's no support in Congress. They mm-hmm. said he's opened up the White House to uh, musicians, artists, mm-hmm. to kids that normally wouldn't get a chance to see the White House, wouldn't get a chance to be in the White House, mm-hmm. wouldn't get a chance to learn in the White House. They said he's done a lot for you.
5: you, know? okay. do, you do you agree? Or? I totally disagree. What has Obama do to do to change the uh, intentional exploitation of black children in special education. What has Obama done to increase the rate of African-American teachers and principals? What has Obama done to modernize the schools in predominantly African-American school districts? What has Obama done to reduce the suspension and expulsion rate of black children? I don't care how many Negroes are dancing in the White House, singing in the White House, and cooning in the White House. What have you done of substance, systematically, to improve the quality of life for black folk as you have done to improve the quality of life for Latinos, immigrants, and LBGTs. Mm. Have, you, have you ever seen a good president in your lifetime? No, you, you can never do that yeah. because America is based off racism. It was founded on racism, which is ironic because when you listen to CNN and I was watching D.L. Hughley with mm-hmm. the little piece that he had, they always talk about playing the race car. You understand? That is the most misleading concept I've ever heard of, playing the race car. When we was brought up here in slavery, Okay, was that playing a race card or was that, racism? <laughs> that was racist? Do you understand. Word up, word up. America is racism. From slavery to segregation. America is racism. When Birth of a Nation came out, the first major motion picture, which was a story about how letting black folks out of slavery would simply destroy the social context of America, guess where it was played? In the White House. The president had a private viewing of Birth of a Nation. the oh, Nate Parker Nat Turner movie? No, 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 no. He re- okay, he sarcastically named his Nat Turner movie after the original, the original okay, birth okay, of a nation, to take hit at it. Got you. Yes. But, you know, a lot of people, you know. And we well, was at Nat Turner Land two days ago at the college tour.
2: You know, a lot of people say that, you know, that's not necessarily true. You know, they say that HBCUs are not warranted now, that they should be you know, historically black colleges are not needed. They say, you know, the exactly. NAACP is not needed. Exactly. And where did that racism? argument come from, Envy? Well, the
5: argument came from since so you got a president yeah, in the what White the House. What
2: said the other day. So I wanted your opinion on what you felt about HBCUs and the NAACP because she feels like it's not necessarily warranted, that it should be open to everybody. And that Let me needed. say this.
5: As long as something is being done special to the black man and woman, something must be done specifically for the black man and woman to counteract that. So, for example, earlier when you said the Obamacare and things like that, mm-hmm. there are black folks who benefited from that envy. But in order to help us, you have to do something specifically for us because our history is specific. We're the only people in this country who are not of white skin who cannot be deported, which is the central challenge of the black predicament. What did W.E.B. Du Bois said? He said the number one problem of the 21st century will be the color line. I would take it a step further. Mm-hmm. The number one problem of the 21st century in America is what do we do? With 40 million black folks who we do not want and cannot deport. This is why we are kept from realizing our true gifts and talents. Because you cannot be sent back to Africa. Slavery psychologically destroyed your connection to your mother continent. For example, Chinese can be sent back to China. Latinos can be sent back to Cuba, Puerto Rico, or points beyond. Okay, An East Indian can be sent back to India. Okay, An Arab can be sent back to whatever Arabian nation from which they come. Where do you send African Americans back to? Because be back to in ha- Africa. Because your psychological connection was destroyed. Mm-hmm. You understand? So what do you do don't with even these got people Chick-fil-A in Africa, bro? Cut it out. That's what do you me. do with these people <laughs> who you do not want and cannot deport? You must create a system of genocide from within that seeks to remove them. That's why mass incarceration will never change. This is why people keep saying They spend millions of dollars on prison. It costs less to send them to school. So why are you spending this money on jail instead of sending them to school? Because this ain't about money. This is about an America that is free from black people. Mm. Police extermination fees that. Uh, Abortion, which is the number one killer. Most people don't understand this. More black babies are murdered in the stomach than they are on the street corner. And why? Because a black woman growing up in poverty with already a couple of children seeing how hard it is to make ends meet is probably going to think about Potentially terminating that pregnancy. Mm. It's not a moral issue. It's a political, economic, white supremacist issue. Why bring another life in this world, so they can only be murdered by the police like Trayvon?
4: Or just struggling in the hood. Or just struggling in the hood. Do you do you think the issue with cops is
5: a black-white thing or a police, without question? are our police abusing power thing. It's both. Remember, when slavery ends in 1865, there are no national. Incarceration systems. Most states didn't even have a fully functioning prison system. That's when they created the prison system in 1865. That's when they gave you the first statewide prison systems. Why? Because we got two million black folks, excuse me, four million black folks. We just left out out of slavery. They don't have jobs. We're not going to give them any. So that means they got to do what to eat, Envy. Rob and fail. So we're going to create vagrancy laws. If I catch you stealing anything, guess what? That's a felony. I'm going to put you on a chain gang, and you're going to be on a chain gang for 10 years for stealing a lollipop. This is what they did. You could go to jail for not having a job. You could go to jail for being homeless. They made simple, petty offenses major felonies. So that from the beginning of so-called emancipation, the prison system existed for one reason, to remove black men from the society. The jail is a slave ship that sits on water. Excuse me sits on land instead of water. But here's the point I need y'all to get. The reason we're struggling so much as a people is because we're not given systematic access to wealth. Let me give an example. Chinese, Arab, East Indian, they get, they come to America. They can walk into any bank and get a loan. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but many of them. In fact, some of them don't even have to get a, bank, a loan from Wells Fargo, Chase Manhattan, or Bank of America, and I'm just using them uh, uh, to make the point. They show up in America with a long line of credit from their native country. They come into the ghetto, open up ten stores, five supermarkets, three hotels. Black folks still struggling. And then people look at us and say, you know why you're struggling? Because you're lazy. The Chinese guy over here has been here five years. The East Indian been here uh, 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 ten years. Um, the, the ARAB only been here eight years. He got five gas stations. What's your excuse? Let me tell you what our excuse is. We are systematically denied access to wealth. Do you understand? So we can't build that hospital they built. We can open up 10 supermarkets. I can't get 10 gas stations in three weeks because you're going to routinely deny me access to wealth. You'll give me a small business loan. And here's the quicker. Let me ask you a question. Why would they give you a loan for a student, a student loan for college? They'll give you a car loan for the car. They'll give you a loan for your house. So you can get a mortgage loan. You can get a student loan. You can get a car loan. But you can't get a business loan. Wait a minute now. The education is going to cost me 100 grand. The car is going to be about 70 grand. The house is going to be a quarter of a million. Why do you approve that but you don't approve the business loan, which is probably for half the amount? Because if I finance your empowerment, that disrupts my system of extermination and genocide. Mm. You cannot kill a people who you are financially empowering. Mm. So we are kept without access to wealth. That's why the hood is full of mom-and-pop stores. That's why the hood is full of struggling businesses, because America has a policy where you do not empower black people for their own benefit. Any other minority? Yes. Why? Because if they get out of hand, they can be sent home. The black man cannot be sent home. Slavery is is older than America. America was born on July 4th, 1776. Slavery in the colonies began on August the 20th, 1619. Mm -hmm.
4: Now, now with that said, how could an economic boycott work? Because we were talking about this this
5: morning. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, we
4: boycott, where do we go? We don't have black-owned businesses to shop at. Listen, an
5: economic boycott would be a very, very powerful agenda move. I don't think it's going to work because we don't have that type of commitment to each other. Listen, when Dr. King led the Montgomery bus boycott, Mm -hmm. 381 days, not a single black person rode the bus. They said the elders were walking on their bare feet because they couldn't afford to buy new shoes. Could you imagine if you went out here and told these Negroes in New York, that you're going to boycott public transportation? Well, I go back to oh, Philly and tell brothers and sisters of Philly we're going to uh, boycott public transportation.
2: I look at work, you like you crazy. Yes, I, no, I think they would if we had a leader. See, I, see, I think with, with, with us, who is the leader? Who do we look up to? Church. Who? And why is church leadership not, so popular? It's not, it's not but Envy,
5: here's the question. I agree with you. But sarcastically, why is church leadership so popular in the black community? Because church leaders are the only leaders who don't ask you to do anything except show up and give money. They sell sell hope, hope. not substance. You're not going to follow. If Dr. King was in America today, I do not think Dr. King could achieve Half of what he achieved 50 years ago because you're dealing with a new Negro who has no obligation to the collective, no interest in the progress of his people, and is intensely egotistical and individualistic about his pursuits. We don't care about racism until it knocks on our front door.
4: I agree with you on that, and I'm going to tell you why. I feel like back when Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and those guys was fighting, black people really had nothing.
5: nothing. We all understood yes, we that we were oppressed. Now some of us got things, and it's like, ah. And it confuses the political. Yeah. Look, if I'm a politically uneducated African-American, not illiterate, just politically uneducated, I got Charlemagne, Envy, and Umar. They doing all right. Over here, I got some brothers and sisters struggling. I'm confused because I'm seeing some black folks who are struggling. I'm seeing some who are all right. So maybe it ain't racism. Yeah. Maybe it is us. And then when America props up certain bourgeoisie Negroes to uh, uh, defend the system and say, stop blaming the white man It's you, you, you understand, you don't move. What do people do when they're confused? They stand still. Mm. Black America is at a standstill because they don't know if they should listen to the Sharptons and the Jesses who say racism does exist, but it's not that bad, or do they want to listen to Dr. Umar who says that until you overcome the racism, it's going to be difficult for black people to really live a life that a man or woman was put on earth to live. They're confused envy. And so what does America do? Who do they put on TV? They only put on TV and radio the leaders that they know are going to do nothing but echo the sentiment of the government. That's why, like, when you look at organizations like Black Lives Matter, and I take nothing away from Black Lives Matter, I do think that there's a role for protest and agitation. But if all you're going to do is protest and agitate, and you're not constructively building anything for the community— you understand, mm-hmm. then you're absolutely at the end of the day of no benefit to people because we don't just need alarmists running around chasing racism whenever it rears its ugly head. Right. We need you to acknowledge the racism and then turn around, come back to the community, and build something.
2: See, The problem is what you said is people, people need leadership. When I say leadership, they need to know what to do. You mm-hmm. know? And, and the reason I say that is is we can sit up here all, on the radio mm-hmm. all day long, and, and, and what's the first thing Charlemagne said? What do we do? What can mm-hmm. we do? See, if... if Martin Luther King said, we're not going to ride the bus. Right. Black people say, okay, we're not going to ride the that bus. That
4: ain't true, but they wouldn't what? do it for long. What? You know how I know that? Remember when Sean Bell got killed? Uh-huh. I remember we all walked, this is when I was working with Wendy Williams. We all walked out of Wendy's show, bunch of us. We all on 33rd Street, we holding hands. We blocking off the highways. As soon as those police pulled up and was like, all right, if y'all don't move in five seconds, we're going to start locking people up. I mean, no justice, no peace. They got the five, and we start seeing
5: they really locking people up? Everybody, literally. I got to get back to work, man. I can't afford being in no jail. And what are you pointing out? Mm-hmm. You're pointing out something that is at the nexus of the black struggle. If you do not break the law, you do not change the law. Right. Mm. Study history. History is made by those who have broken the law. Mm. Let us keep in mind, Martin Luther King Jr. was once a felon. Mm-hmm. Frederick Douglass was a felon. Harriet Tubman was a felon. They were wanted as fugitives of the law for exercising their conscience to do the right thing as opposed to obeying laws and regulations put in place to keep black people in their place. If you're not going to break the law, you will never change it. The problem with that is what, Charlemagne? A Negro with three master's degrees or a doctorate degree ain't interested in breaking the law because he got a note on a $100,000 Benz. Mm-hmm. You understand? He got a mortgage on a corner of a million dollar house. He got a child he putting through college. He is not trying to subvert his personal agenda. For the greater good of the community and that's our problem many of us are not willing to subvert the personal agenda for the greater good of the black community it, man.
2: if there was a leader if there was a martin luther king per se that stood there when the cops said five seconds and he said i don't give a f- you're gonna lock me up would you still have ran back to work a lot, is, okay, is, is people, a lot this of people would still ran you gotta
4: have the leader and the people ready people. at the same Boom. time this, this, this is the thing reverend al sharpton was there right so my, in my mind i'm looking around like Oh, Rev! Rev ain't get locked up yet. Rev ain't holding hands. He's yet. part of the power structure. Yeah, though. but he did. He did eventually later on. But well, by that the time, we was it. a bunch of people had left. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Yeah, he's a part of the power structure though. Mm-hmm. So he has to operate a little bit differently. That's why you didn't see Al Sharpton in Minnesota. Uh, you didn't see Al Sharpton down in uh, what was the other Baton Rouge. Place? Baton, Rouge. Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge.
4: Explain, explain
5: the power structure. He's a part well. Of well, here's the thing: every president of the United States has a black. H and head negro in charge, somebody who they use to basically control the political behavior of black people while they're in office. For Bill Clinton, it was uh Jesse Jackson. Uh for George W. Bush, it was T. D. Jakes and others. Uh for President Obama, it was Al Sharpton. In fact, Al Sharpton met with the president of the United States more than any other black leader in the history of America, except for potentially Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King. Okay, but now Obama is at the final stretch. He only got about six months left in office. He's no longer in need of Al Sharpton to control black vote because he's pretty much done now. In fact, bringing Sharpton out now could potentially hurt the Democrats as Hillary makes her push. That's so, why he hasn't endorsed anybody. Exactly. And that's why Obama is being very careful with what he says right now because now it ain't even about him no more. It's about securing the presidency for the Democratic Party. So in Obama and, – and, and, simply put, Obama more concerned with Hillary getting in that seat than he's concerned about black people staying alive. Now, now okay. let me say this real quick. We have to have a public boycott against President Obama. A lawful. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now
0: on the air. It is all about making the world a better place. Join me. Hey there friends and fans, this is George Wilder Jr. of The George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> I want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, the website is www.amazon.com slash author slash Wilder. <laughs> uh, or go to the Man, Amazon website yeah. <laughs> and type my name in the text bar above <laughs> to either order or download a book, a story essays, novels, novelettes, whatever you want to do. And I want to thank you very much for that. And as always, good reading. This is George Wilder Jr. And keep listening. There's always more to come. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye. All right. uh, Welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. show. Uh, Before we were, uh, before I uh, got into any of that other stuff, I was talking about the the um, Powerball winner. It was the Mega. It was Powerball. Yeah, the Powerball winner, and I found out that her na- that her name is Mavis Wansack. Wansack or something, and she's fifty-three years old, and uh, landed. She landed the largest single lottery payoff ever in the United in the United States, the history um 758 million dollars if you just round it off 758 million dollar grand prize and Wednesday's powerball the winning ticket was six seven sixteen let me check see if i got that no i don't think i have it because she's already won um i did buy a ticket i i mean i had to buy a ticket you know even though i'm saying to myself well you ain't gonna win george but, uh, you know, I'm going to buy a ticket because I'm going to, I want to be involved. I want to be involved like millions of other people trying to win uh, this money. Uh, we lost. One person won it. One. Boy, I wish I knew her. <laughs> wish well, she was my girlfriend or relative or something. But uh, she won $758 million, Let me read this correctly. seven hundred and fifty-eight Seven million dollar grand prize in the in the Wednesday's Powerball. Wow! And it was purchased at Pride Station and Store in Chicopee, Massachusetts. I never heard of it. You know, I've heard of Massachusetts, but not uh, Chicopee. I guess you know. Anyway, she said she discovered Wednesday's night while leaving work at the Mercy Medical Center that she had won. Wow. A co-worker looked at her ticket and told her that she had won. He told her to immediately sign the back of the ticket. She couldn't believe it. I I wouldn't believe it either. I I wouldn't believe it. $758.7 million. Jesus Christ. And I'm um, quoting her here: "I couldn't drive anywhere. I couldn't do anything." She told reporters. She said her coworker followed her home to make sure she was okay. Yeah, okay. Make sure she was okay. He wants to get a cut. That's what. That's what's happening there. But anyway, uh, seven hundred and fifty-eight point seven million dollar prize, and the IRS is going to take half of it. You know, and she's going to be left with you know, a little bit over $400 million, which is a hell of a lot of money. <laughs> but still, it all, just in fact, what? why, why give so much to IRS? I, you know, if I had that much money, I probably I probably would uh, leave the country and say, screw IRS. You know, but uh, I think she's going to have to pay taxes no matter where she goes. There are some countries around the world where you don't have to pay a cent in taxes. There are some, there's a few states, I believe in, Illinois you don't have to pay any taxes but federal tax you do so oh wow 700 right now I'm looking at my ticket and um, I did play a mega ticket also and I played Apollo ball and I played lucky day and I played lotto and I lost them all but you know you have to keep trying you have to stay positive You have to keep trying, and you have to keep going to work until you win that. uh, Until you win that uh, that amount of money, and that's great. That's beautiful, and I wish her luck, and I wish her, I wish her family a lot of luck. I wish them all a lot of luck with all that cash. Anyway, let's get (laughs) let's get back down to earth. Okay, all right. I'm just seeing that Amazon purchased um, all those Whole Foods. Uh, in Chicago, I'm pretty sure around America, and now they're saying that they're going to lower prices. They're going to lower the prices on some of the products in some of these, in these Whole Foods stores by Monday. Yeah, Monday the 28th of of August, and um, that's a good thing because we have a, a Whole Foods right around the corner from my studio. It's one right there. And uh, there are so many stores around here, so there's a lot of competition between Dominic's Aldi's, whole Foods, uh, uh, mom, and pa- mom and pop mom and pop markets. Uh, there's a store called Devon Market. It's a supermarket. We got stores we've got stores all over the place around in this area however if if amazon keeps its keeps its word, word and decide to lower its prices um it's going to hurt a lot of the small stores because people are going to start leaving the small stores and going to amazon all right uh let's see what we have here but that's a great that sounds great folks i mean amazon lowering their prices you're on the george Wilder jr show go right ahead
6: good evening sir how are you doing i'm fine uh, I just had a question. Uh, How can I help you? Politically, uh, yeah, I was wondering. Politically, uh, uh, do you consider yourself towards the left or towards the right? Do you support Democrats, Republicans? Do you have any particular position?
0: Well, I've, I've said, I've, excuse me, I've said this several times on the show. I'm going to look at both sides, and I criticize both sides where I see fit. So I'm not uh, favoring any side. I'm just. An American, and I'm just, you know, giving my opinion on what I see and what I know and what is out there that is being, you know, whether it's good or bad. I'm an independent.
6: Okay. Um, can I just uh, throw out an idea to you, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it? If you could, if
0: okay. Think, um, I'll try.
6: Uh, right. So I, I hear recently that the Democrats are, are, are talking aggressively about government health care, and I'm even hearing things like free college education. And, different things which you know on its face sounds great but i don't think anyone would oppose that just from an idea standpoint but then I, I went and started looking at the numbers and uh something really struck me uh, that and it starts on two and first point i was amazed how much money does the federal government actually get every year like i didn't know it was that high and i found out they get at least 3.5 trillion dollars in tax revenue that's just the federal government that's not state now out of that three point five trillion, they're outspending that by nearly two trillion dollars, like the upcoming budget is around five and a half trillion. so we have a massive deficit, and when you start to look at how much government health care will cost, you start to realize well, where where's the money going to come from all of this stuff and I hear Democrats say things like, "Well, we want to raise taxes on the one percent and I, and I looked at it I mean they could literally forget taxes, they could confiscate. Everything that the one percent have, their money, their all their assets. And you would still barely even break even with the current that you have now, let alone pay for all the new stuff that's you know, I guess you are you know, proposing to add on top of that. And I'm just I'm looking at this and this is like an incredible level of irresponsibility. And I feel like they're just sort of telling people what they want to hear instead of telling them what they need to hear, which is we can't pay for this stuff. I don't know if you ever looked at that or what your thoughts are.
0: Uh, I, like I said before, uh, a lot of the things the Democrats uh, espouse, I, I'm I'm against. I, I don't, you know, I'm against it. So, you know, I, like I said, I'm just an independent. I, I look at it a, a, as as it is, and uh, you know, so and uh, that's it. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. It is all about making the world a better place. Join me.
7: Massachusetts. I love you too. Thank you, Mayor Walsh. I am glad to have this chance to stand shoulder to shoulder to fight alongside the mayor of Boston for the people of this country. Thank you. So we're here today because of the power of women. The power of women to come up with good ideas like this rally. The power of women to organize like this rally. And the power of women to make sure that as our country enters a new political era, that the voices of the people will be heard. Yesterday, Donald Trump was sworn in as president. That sight is now burned into my eyes forever. (laughs) And I hope the same is true for you because we will not forget We do not want to forget. We will use that vision to make sure that we fight harder, we fight tougher, and we fight more passionately for than ever. Not just for the people whom Donald Trump supports, but for all of America. worried. Donald Trump's campaign was about attacks on women, attacks on African-Americans, attacks on Latinos, attacks on religious groups, attacks on immigrants. A Trump-Pence Supreme Court could overturn Roe versus Wade and dissolve marriages of LGBTQ citizens. A Republican Congress is eager to rip away health care from millions of Americas. America's hardworking families have taken one punch after another. Decades of trickle-down economics And attacks on unions, attacks on wages, attacks on pensions, attacks on health care, attacks on social security, attacks on education, attacks on infrastructure and financial regulation have gutted America's middle class. A broken criminal justice system, a broken voting rights system, and decades of systematic racism have kept people of color from having the same opportunities as other Americans throughout this country. The The fact is that the playing field has been tilted badly in favor of those at the top for a generation now. And now, President Trump and the Republican Congress are ready to ram through laws that will tilt it even harder. Now, we can whimper, we can whine, or we can fight back. Me, I'm here to fight back! I'm here to fight back! And that, it's why we come together today, hundreds of thousands of people in Boston, in Washington, and across this country. We are in marches to say we are fighting back. That's who we are. We come here to stand shoulder to shoulder, to make clear we are here. We will not be silent. We will not play dead. We will fight for what we believe in. We have a vision, and that vision defines who we are as a people. First, we fight for basic dignity and respect for every human being, period. No compromise, no backing up. And second, we fight for economic opportunity, not just for those at the top, but for everyone. All of our kids deserve a fighting chance to get ahead. Respect for everyone, economic opportunity for everyone, that is the American deal and that's what we fight for. You know, those core principles call out the best in who we are. For too long, American families have seen a government and an economy that isn't working for them and Trump and the Republicans promised to make America worse. But we're here because we are ready to fight for the people who want to build a country that works for all of us. That's why we're here. We come together to give each other strength. We come together to give each other courage. We come together to remind each other of our values. As we get ready to march, let us remind each other what we believe in and why we fight and why we will keep right on fighting. We believe...
0: All right, that was Elizabeth Warren on the George Wilder Jr. show. I just love it when she speaks. She speaks from her heart. She speaks with passion. I may not always agree with her. But, hey, while I do respect her passion and I do respect what she stands for and I do respect the fact that she knows how to move people. Okay, let's get back to what I was talking about originally. Amazon set to lower some prices on, on, on foods. Some prices. Not everything. Some is the operative word. Some. <laughs> and, but that's better than none because we have a Whole Foods. Like I just got through saying, we have a Whole Foods located in this community, in the, in this area. I mean, there's so many other stores that we have. I mean, you name a store, it's probably here in this community, right in in the area where my studio is located. And I, I wanted to say this, if Amazon does lower whole food prices, that may hurt a lot of other smaller stores. I mean, right now, the Aldi's in, in this community, some people think that Aldi's the Aldi store, is a store for people, not poor people. There's no way else to say it. Low-income people. And, uh, but it's not. Aldi is a store for just about anybody. Um, um No matter what your income, shops at Aldi, at least in the, in this area where I'm at, uh, just about anybody. You know, but a lot of people, oh my God, I'm not going to Aldi. Too many poor people for me. But People of all ages shop in, shop in, at Aldi's. I mean, we have an Aldi's around here. We have a Jewel. We have a Domin- Dominic's where we had a Dominic's. We have a Whole Foods. We have other uh, gigantic stores in the area. And Aldi's just happen to be one. Uh, and it gets the most, I have to say, Aldi's, in, in this area, it gets the most um, people because of the little, it gets the most uh, patrons, most, the most shoppers because they offer. Low prices, but I'm gonna tell you something all those prices are not as low as all these want you to think they are. I mean, I've gone to all these and I've gone to Whole Foods and I compare prices. In some cases, Whole Foods is a lot lower than Aldi's. You know, I'll go, I, but I have some friends, they wouldn't be caught at all these as if you know it's one of those type of stores you just don't go to. People will think you don't have any money, <laughs> you're poor. But as I just got through saying, I mean, there is it's not that kind of store. I mean, all people of all income. Of, I've seen lawyers and doctors and teachers, uh, administrators shopping at Aldi's as well as someone who's working in the janitorial field. They would not show up at Aldi's because they feel they feel that someone might see them there and might say, well, that's saw John shopping at Aldi's. What you know, and but in this area, all incomes go to all these. And if Whole Foods drop his prices, which is uh, Whole Foods is right behind me, and they drop their prices, like Amazon say they're going to drop them on Monday, a lot of those people from Aldi's and some of these other other discount supermarkets, they're going to be trotting over to Whole Foods, and uh, and uh, all these. They're going to lose some 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 customers and probably some money, some revenue. And uh, I'm pretty sure they they're gearing up for that. They're gearing up for that. They're going to have to lay off uh, employees. A lot of stores around here they're um, going to have to lay off uh, employees because let's face it, folks. Amazon is the elephant in the room. Amazon is taking over everything online. Now they're out in the out here in public, um, uh, cleaning up in public. What's Stores all over the place they've bought up everything online <laughs> on amazon own it or either either amazon owns everything or facebook owns everything so we'll, we'll see where that goes because a lot of people are going to lose their jobs at all these and some of these other discount stores once whole foods lowers its prices and that's not going to be a good thing for a lot of people but uh you know uh, it is what it is. It, it, it is what it is. And uh, we're going to do this.
1: Help the roses if the
3: bombs begin to fall. Ever never never help the black man if he struggles one more day. Ever help the white man if he turns back away. Ever help the man who kicks the man as a fall. And the other side
0: much for listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're just about off the air, folks. I want to say have a great evening. Have a great weekend. And we will be back here on Monday. Monday, we're going to have some great guests. Got a great lineup of guests. Next week is the last week of August. We're going into September. Wow. Bye-bye, everybody. And once again, have a great weekend. Bye. the creep. You
3: got that right.